Hello, folks. Uh, let's be real for a moment. This episode is a little more adult than usual. Let's just say you're going to want to put a dental dam over your ears because our cancel thin audio phallus is going to be all up in that brain case, making a big wet mess of your brain. So if you can't handle that, it's time to flip the channel and listen to Radio Disney or whatever. You can float your boat, little boy, little girl, whatever you want to listen to that you use for the, the you know, the blue pill. This, this is Radio Red Pill. If you're not ready for it, I feel sorry for you. But um, anyway, you've been warned. This is some heavy uh, stuff. I, I would have used a four-letter word to describe it, but this is the content warning, and that wouldn't be fair now, would it? Well, pleasant dreams to you, and enjoy the show. I had been in L.A. for eight years. I was really burned out. I was really depressed. A boyfriend that I had totally fucked me over. He wanted me to be there for him and cook for him and be his girl, but he didn't want to give me the attention that I needed. It was very hot and cold and stressful, and finally I confronted him. I went over to his house and I, I said, look, how much do you want this relationship on a scale of one to 10? He said, five. I'm like, really? I've been having sex with you and hoping that you were the one and going to your graduation and meeting your family and you only want this relationship of five. So it was extremely painful for me to finally have to dump him because he was never going to dump me. I was really ready to break out of L.A., get back to my home in the Bay Area and start making friends and putting down roots. I really wanted to meet people. I wanted to meet men. I wanted to refurbish, as I called it, my sex life. I want to have a relationship with deep intimacy where I can really share not just the physical body, but the emotional, psychological, animal, spiritual bodies. All the things. From Radiotopia, you're listening to Love and Radio. I'm Nick Vanderkolk. Today's episode, Upper Left. It's a busy San Francisco morning. People are all rushing to and fro. I am down in this sort of up-and-coming industrial area of San Francisco called Mission Bay. I go into the Phil's coffee shop to get my coffee and write my journal. I notice that the girl behind the counter who's ringing me up is just very beautiful and very vibrant and very talkative. I'm talking to her because I want to meet people I just landed. I say to her, so what are you doing when you're not uh, pouring coffee? And she says, oh, well, I'm not going to be pouring coffee that much longer because I'm going to become a coach. I said, oh, what are you coaching? And she goes, I'm going to coach women and men in intimacy, 
sex, communication, and orgasm. And I looked into her eyes and she was just so clear and she just looked at me so openly and I was like, wow, tell me more about this. (laughs) And she did. She told me, well, there's going to be an event. It's free. It's this Wednesday. You should come. And she hands me a little card. I'm super excited that I have something to do and new people to meet when I just landed here. It just seems too good to be true. It was held in a big open studio space. When you walk in, they greet you, and they're all very friendly. The girls were wearing high heels and sexy, kind of flowy skirts or blouses. They were young and attractive and confident, and they would look you in the eye. There seemed to be two leaders, a man and a woman. They were staff people from one taste. One Taste is a company. It's like a self-help personal growth company, but including sex. Now, can I use the word pussy? I'm used to using that word. You can use whatever word you want. Okay, great, because I find that even though it sounds crass, I'm used to saying it because it sounds better than vagina or vulva. They teach you to reclaim that word because it's the best word and they tell you to call a penis a cock because it's sexier and more powerful. The way they start out the event is they get everybody in the room one by one to tell them how they're feeling in that moment. And one girl says something like, oh, I'm just so excited to be here and I'm a little nervous. And then another girl says, I'm excited and I feel my pussy sort of tingling. And I'm like, whoa, (laughs) what? What are these people talking about? And then one by one, people go around the circle saying how they're feeling in their body. And so there's chairs arranged in a circle in this empty room, and there's one chair sort of in the middle of the circle, and that's called the hot seat. The hot seat exercise is where they pick one person, a volunteer, to sit up in front of this group of people, complete strangers, and the leader of the group starts asking them a series of questions. Why did you come here today? What do you really desire? Little by little, the leader would tease out what this person was really hoping for in their sexual relationships or their sexuality. And then right when the person was asked to describe, so what's blocking you? Then they would let the person get off the hot seat. And you're like, oh, what? Wait, wait, I'm all excited now. How do I, how do I solve this? Then they sell you the how to own class. How did they pitch it to me? I wish I had their exact words. It was something like, How about a new definition of orgasm, one that works with the woman's body? And you can get in on this by taking our How to Ohm class. I didn't really understand that. It didn't really make a lot of sense. But I was so turned on by them. All these men were coming up to me and asking me for my phone number. 
I was getting all this attention from men and women alike. I thought it was going to be spiritual and community and woman-oriented orgasm all at the same time. But it's $100. I just landed here. I want to improve my life. I'm going to do it. The How to Ohm class was a day-long workshop in San Francisco with a bunch of strangers, like 100 people. There's all these people milling around. There's music going. It's very upbeat, like you would hear if you went into a lounge at a happy hour or something. It started with a series of exercises to get everybody loosened up, talking to each other, feeling more open and safe to express themselves. OM stands for orgasmic meditation. They told us that the orgasmic meditation practice was like a meditation where the man is fully clothed and he sits down on a meditation cushion just like in a Zen center and the woman lies down on a yoga mat and she butterflies her legs apart and the man very gently strokes the tip of her clitoris for 15 minutes. And he's supposed to stroke that very tip only on the left upper quadrant. And then he, he wipes her off with a towel. And they share observations about their experience together with each other. This woman was on a massage table. She was blonde. She was wearing a blouse, but no pants, no underwear. We were all instructed to gather around in a big semicircle. So it was like 100 people. And Nicole Dedone, the founder of One Taste, proceeded to hold this woman's pussy by putting one hand on her top mound and pulling back the clitoral hood by, by pulling on the skin towards the belly a little bit. And with her other hand... She placed her thumb that had been lubed up into the woman's vagina. She said something to the woman like, I'm going to stroke you now, and began touching the woman's clitoris. The more she touched, her body started to react. Everybody was like in this trance where the feeling of electricity in the room was un mistakable. This woman looked like she was playing a piano. She looked like she was playing a virtuoso symphony on this woman's clitoris. And the women started to moan and make sounds and tremble. It looked like this woman was getting this amazing pleasure just from being stroked on her clitoris. And she climaxed, and she climaxed for a long time. And I was like, I can't believe I just watched this in a room full of people, and it wasn't pornography. After I saw that orgasm demonstration, I was like, yeah, I want this. What is this supposed to solve? Oh, my God. The Ohm philosophy is vast. 
It's supposed to solve the hunger in the modern woman. That she is running around doing all the things and yet she's not fulfilled sexually. This is a new way where you can bring the power of orgasm into your life. You can light up all of your personal power through orgasm. And once you have this one taste of freedom, you will never go back. Imagine a big, well-lit yoga studio, and all the women had their pants off. There were fat women, there were thin women, there were old women, there were young women, there were all different shapes and sizes of pussies. Some were shaven, some were bushy. And that in itself was really empowering. And then I lay down on the towel on the yoga mat, butterfly my legs apart, putting my knees on the pillows. Marcus comes and sits down next to me. He's grounded me. He's put his finger in my introitus. Then he takes his other hand, and then he starts to stroke the clitoris, and he's pulling up the hood. So it's quite an intense sensation. And I feel this, like, electricity and this tingling and this intense, vulnerable openness in me. And I can't believe that I'm doing this, and it feels really weird. It doesn't necessarily feel pleasurable. It was kind of like if you're looking at a really, 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 really bright light, it kind of hurts your eyes, but you can't stop looking. It, it, it's like too intense. And it feels like, or maybe when you have pins and needles and somebody starts licking your finger when you have pins and needles, it just feels so weird and intense but also extremely sexy because you're sitting there with your legs spread apart in a room full of other women doing the same thing and you just saw this amazing orgasm. So you're, you're so I'm really expecting to feel something amazing. A bell goes off and the announcer says, bring your partner down now. And so he changes the way he's stroking to be a little bit more pressure, more smooth downward strokes. And the excitement starts to fade. And then the bell rings again. And they say, and that's an ohm. He helps you sit up. And then you do this other ritualistic style of communication, sharing a single sensation from your experience with your partner. And you say, there was a moment when... An extreme tingling in my clitoris that spread all through my legs and body. And he says, thank you. And then he says an experience he had. I felt a wave of blue lava shooting down my arm as I was stroking you. I don't know if he said that, but they say weird things like that. And then um, that's it. And then you put your pants on. Once you take your pants off for the first time in public and have a unfamiliar man start rubbing your clitoris, whew, that seems like a pretty good example of an initiation. You're changed after that. You're like, I can't believe I just did that. But I did. It was exciting, man. You could talk about your sexual desires with people and they would nod their heads. 
They weren't like, oh, oversharing. There was none of that. There was none of that muzzling that you get in normal, polite, regular society. I was really seeking community, and One Taste, more than anything, was like, we are all about community, and you are part of our community because you've taken a class. And so I started doing this practice like every day with different people because I want what they all said I could get, these amazing orgasms, these amazing sensations. I owned with like 10 to 15 different men during the course of my practice, I think. They encouraged me to say yes as often as possible. And I was all about that because I, in my experience in the world, everything I had learned from flamenco guitar to Spanish to salsa dancing all came from saying yes to people and saying, yes, I want to do this with you. For me, once I realized, oh my God, this is sex. I'm having sex with this man, only instead of his penis, it's his hands. This kind of cool, and I don't owe him anything. What is, I, I get to have this, really? It was amazing. Why not just have sex with people? When I, I don't know about you, but uh, when I have sex, usually a lot of focus is on the guy putting his cock inside and moving around, right? That's mostly what I think people think of when they think of sex is penis-vagina sex. And for me, this was, it, it was all about me and my experience. And then I could let my monkey mind take a rest and just experience the sensations without worrying about him or trying to please him. And was that a huge relief? Yeah, it was great. It was one of the things I really loved about the practice was that the guys had no expectations of me. All of the hang-ups around my anatomy and like, that, that started to fall away. It started to become less and less a big deal to be half naked in a room full of strangers and acquaintances. It was less of a big deal to talk about it and to use terms like clitoris and cock and pussy. You felt like you were kind of cool because you could throw these terms around without being embarrassed. I was at an ohm day. The first ohm I did was great, and the second ohm, I looked around and saw that I didn't have a partner. So I sat down with this very nice man. He was so sweet and apologetic and said he was brand new. He starts the practice on me, and I feel right away that his fingers feel like wooden claws in my pussy. I tell him to go lighter, and he doesn't get it. He's mashing my clit. It does not feel good. People around me are moaning and groaning and getting off. And I'm sitting here with this man, this older gentleman I don't even know. And I'm just lying there thinking, I feel like a medical school cadaver. And I'm thinking, I did not sign up for this. I don't want to do this. And this poor gentleman deserves somebody who is going to be patient with him. And that's not, that's not me right now. I'm, I'm not doing this. And so I raised my hand and I asked for a coach to come over to show my partner what to do. 
And the coach came over and tried to uh, advise him, and he got flustered. And I said, look, you deserve more of a loving presence than I can provide for you right now. I didn't sign up for this. I want to stop the ohm. Why don't we do this? Why don't you watch as the coach strokes me? And then maybe you can see how what I'm trying to get at. But the poor man was so shook up that he left. He just got up and left. Then we take a break. And there's a women's circle for women to share. I share in the circle about how I felt. Then at lunchtime, a woman who has been through the coaching program comes up to me and says she wants to have lunch with me. So we're having lunch with her and a bunch of other people, and she starts just laying into me. You emasculated him. How could you be so cruel and rude to him? You know more than he does. You should never have done that. And I'm like, whoa, lady, you know, look, this is the experience I had. I didn't sign up for that. What, I'm supposed to lie there and just do what they say? That really shook me up, and I got very upset, and I, and I didn't really go back to any more ohm days after that. But I wasn't deterred. There was plenty of other men to ohm with. So I continued. The One Taste philosophy teaches you to get off on any stroke. No matter what the man is doing, you get out of your own way and find the pleasure in it. And I just found this not to be true because some of my ohms were very icky with other men. I had gone to this man's house in Oakland. He and his wife were in an open relationship, so I didn't have to worry about like him coming on to me or anything. And I lay down, and we did the ohm in his living room. And it just felt like every time I asked for an adjustment, he was a little bit reluctant to stroke lighter. Also, he was moaning a little bit and moving uh, my leg against his cock while we were in the position. And I just thought, well, let me just, I don't know, he's just doing his thing. I'm going to focus on sensation because that's what I'm supposed to do. And I just, I just decided to lay there and just take it until it was over. I mean, you can always say no and stop the ohm if you want to. That's allowed. But I was not going to stop. I just, you know, it was just like, okay, this feels weird. Let's see what happens. When it was over, I went into the bathroom and I cleaned myself up and I was thinking, what was that all about? And I went back out there to the living room and I said, can I ask you a question? I felt like this, um, this weird energy during our own, like you were trying to dominate me. And he said, well, yes, I do have a dominant personality. And I thought to myself in my head, well, I don't really want to own with this guy ever again. That was really icky. Like, he wasn't listening to me. He wasn't doing what I wanted him to do on my pussy. Anyway, I left and I posted a long essay about it on the Ohm Hub. There's a Facebook group. I posted, has anybody ever had an icky Ohm? An icky Ohm. And Nicole Daydone herself replied online and she replied with one word ugh and I thought yeah yeah man it was icky and I said yeah that's what I thought and then she said ugh no the way you treated this man and I'm like 
whoa, what? By me accusing him of doing something icky, I was the one in the wrong. You should never call anybody icky. I, I started to feel really confused because I, I, I was looking for support in the community, but I was just getting hammered and other staff people chimed in. So I was like, oh, God. My heart started racing and I immediately felt ashamed. You kept going after that, like you kept doing it, right? Well, I I got more and more turned off. The more I involved myself with them in this way where I was kind of one foot in the organization and one foot kind of critical of it, the worse it got really rapidly. I was often getting emails or text messages or phone calls from staff trying to sell me on things trying to tell me um, to come to the next OM thing or to take the coaching program. I said, I don't want to be a coach. And they're like, oh, no, no, it's it's good for deepening your own practice. And so I was getting tired of them trying to sell all the time. The turn-ons that I was going to, that was the whole purpose, was to whip all the new people up into a frenzy so that they would be open and receptive and willing to plunge in with both feet for a $15,000 class. $15,000? $15,000 was the next level. And I would see this happening. People were starting Kickstarter campaigns to fund their coaching program fees. And I was like, what the hell is going on here? This practice should be about the simplicity of listening to a woman and a woman getting her voice and asking for what she wants. And instead, it's become this huge self-help, Tony Robbins-esque, you can get anything you want if you just take our classes kind of bullshit. After I told them off and said, quit sending me sales pitches, then they started ignoring me. I was angry because one taste staff members had shamed me and pushed me out. They had misled me into thinking that they were going to be there for me and they were my friends but they were really just trying to get me to buy things and trying to get me to conform to their philosophies and their way of doing things. And then one day, I went over to uh, someone's house in San Francisco, and he said to me, why are you doing the own practice, don't you realize that the own practice is just a sales tool to get you to buy more classes for this mysterious, elusive orgasm? Why don't you do your own thing and explore your own sex practices? It was like a revelation for me when he said that. And I was like, you know, he's right. I don't need to learn oming. I already know it. I don't need to have strange men put their fingers in my pussy anymore. I already know what I want. What the hell am I doing this for? The main turning point was probably around the time I got kicked out of the OM hub. I was still part of the OM community. I was very dissident, Omer, and I would post on the OM hub things like, it isn't right what they're doing They shouldn't be charging all this money. feels like a cult. And I got a letter saying, Julie, I'm afraid what you're writing is not appropriate from the OM Hub and you're being removed. If you have any questions about this, you can email me. 
And I was like, thank you. When you posted to the group, I mean, you must have known, like, that that was it, right? Like, regardless of, like, the truth of your accusation of them, I can't imagine they would react in any different way. Yeah, I knew it was a parting shot. It was my shot across the bow. I thought maybe I could have an argument with people online and talk about it and convince a few more people. But they got rid of me before that could happen. Like, how do you feel about oming now? I don't do it. I don't seek it out. If I ever, when, let's be positive here, when I meet a man that I'm attracted to and that I think we have a good connection, I'm nervous about telling him, like, this is what I'm used to. Do you want to try it? (laughs) They never really explain to the women how to get some dude to do it without it being really weird and tied to their organization. Well, but so you had a sex life before you you owned it, but it sounds like one taste has changed the way you think about your sexuality or like, or it's like left an imprint on you. Well, I don't think I could ever go back to a relationship where sex was thought of as the guy, you know, getting off using my body. It, it has to be a way more two-way street now. I mean, do you, do you feel like you can demand that more of guys now? Or is it, or do you feel like you've gone back to this thing that's just like, ugh, disappointment? Uh, maybe that's why I haven't jumped on Tinder or gone back on OkCupid or anything like that. Because I know that if I want to get what I really want, I'm going to have to have some serious intimacy before sex. Because here's the thing, you guys, all the people that I did the oming with were already inculcated into the whole one taste philosophy by taking the class. They all understood, hey, we're focusing on pleasuring Julie for 20 minutes. The idea of just saying that to a guy, and this is my own insecurity speaking, I'll fully cop to that, that I'm not worthy of somebody spending 20 minutes on me before they stick their cock in me. Like, that's fucked up. I still have to work on that. The ability to become intimate enough with somebody and to have the confidence that, yeah, this person is really into you, and of course he's going to want to do that. Like, I don't have that. If I'm looking for intimacy, like, the last thing that I'm going to do is is join a sort of, like, a, like a group thing. Uh, I don't think One Taste offers any kind of real intimacy. I mean, it was a physical intimacy, but it, it was decoupled from emotional intimacy. You get together with a man, but then there's no framework for really delving into your feelings with this partner. You're supposed to say just one frame of your experience, and then they just go home. Like, you sound, like, really pissed off at them, but in terms of, like, you know, they they never built you out of, like, a ton of money. Like, they didn't take serious advantage of you as, like, as creepy as they were. And I, I found myself wondering if, like, your frustration with them kind of stemmed out of this idea of, like, oh, they're actually, they're identifying and solving, like, a, an actual problem out there in the world. And instead of solving it, they're just using it to just make money off of people. Is that an accurate assessment? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That is the great tragedy of one taste. They were developing this practice that would be so beautiful to give to men and women. 
this very simple little practice. And instead, they turned it into this huge money-making scheme for themselves, using all the manipulative tools in the book to try to get people hooked in and buying classes and promoting them. And that's just so fucked up. I feel like in our country, sex education is so superficial. And we get most of our sex education from popular culture, and the men get their sex education from porn. And so actually going through a program where you're taught to interact with women's pussies and be respectful and be polite and have a a contained environment in which to do it that doesn't automatically lead to sex constantly, that is such a gift. It's such a gift. For right now, I'm just... I'm so glad to be done with one taste. And in fact, I'm going to be glad to be done with this story because it just brings up so much negativity. And I just feel like I'm battling constantly and I'm sick of it. I have one more question. I don't know if these guys may ask you other stuff, but um, why the upper left quadrant? The upper left quadrant is no different from the upper right quadrant. <laughs> They even had it even more specific. They called it a clock face. I'm like, it's not a fucking clock face, okay? It's a body part and you have to explore it. Not a friggin' clock that you can just do numbers on. Ah! See? My my piss off is still there. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for Love and Radio. This episode was produced by Benjamin Frisch and Jesse Carrier. Benjamin, in addition to being a very talented radio producer, is also a very talented artist. We have a link to his work up on our website, loveandradio.org. Love and Radio is produced by Brendan Baker, Jesse Carrier, Stephen Jackson, and myself. We are a production of Radiotopia, whose executive producer is Julie Shapiro. Radiotopia is made possible by support from the Knight Foundation and MailChimp, celebrating creativity, chaos, and teamwork, and from generous support from our listeners. Thank you, guys. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe to us in your favorite podcast app, write a horrible poem as an iTunes review, leave us a secret on our hotline, the number's on our website, and follow us on your favorite social media. Thanks for listening. I know what some of the people in your audience are going to be thinking. They're thinking like, this is some white people shit. (laughs) When I told this story to my black friends, they were like, what the hell?